Welcome to Expounded Universe, Season 2, Episode 9. Hey there, Lalila. With your hosts, Jeff and John. The book, The Crystal Star, by Vonda McIntyre. The year, 1994. Chapter 9. Let's go. No static this week. Must be a pretty good connection. This would be great if Danzig was in charge of the Empire Reborn. I got a yub pal for you. He's a big pile of dicks covered in gold. The Patriarch. He sent my jackhammer to kill. <laughs> Welcome back to Expounded Universe, the Star Wars discussion podcast where we hyper focus specifically. Hyper Viper Beam. Where we hyper Viper Beam, even though it's <laughs> super cheap. And, and also, Iceman is there. <laughs> it's also Iceman. <laughs> It's Iceman, Cyclops, and Cable, and we just hyper viper beam all day long. And all we're doing is beam attacks, just beams and beams and beams. Yeah. No, it's it's the it's the show where we hyper focus in on a very specific expanded universe Star Wars Legends podcast novel. That's right, they're podcast, yeah, podcast novel. That's <laughs> that's what they are now. We've invented a new genre of media for you to consume: podcast <laughs> novels. Ooh, who wants a nice podcast novel? Hmm. So on each one of these, we are going to be discussing a small section of an expanded universe Star Wars novel as we make our way through. Uh, it takes a good long time because we really want to stretch our dollar. <laughs> we, well, we got to get into it. I mean, honestly... There's a lot to talk about. If we tried to shove two chapters of this book into one episode, we would go way long. No, it's true. If, I feel 14 episodes is just about the right length to spend on one of these books, and that's here we are. a good season. It's 14... Yeah, it's a season. It's 14 hours of content about a book that's that you'd a, read that's overnight. That's a good Netflix season. <laughs> Oh, did you see the thing about how that, that third Cloverfield movie came out like last night on Netflix yet? No. Yeah, that's a thing that happened. Like uh, they, they put up the preview for it on the Super Bowl, and then their big surprise announcement was, oh, and it's live on Netflix starting now. <laughs> oh, good. So if you wanted to watch that, it's, it's apparently some trippy space horror, and it's supposed to explain how the other two Cloverfield movies count as connected. Good. So I'm excited. I'm going to watch it. His problem is it's just going to be more Abrams mystery box nonsense. That's fine. I don't care. It's a mystery wrapped in an enigma, wrapped in that same first mystery. Don't worry about it. <laughs> it's weird. Lens flare. We. <laughs> so anyway, uh, today we're discussing chapter nine of The Crystal Star. Indeed we are. And we should probably start by talking about where we were at the end of chapter eight, just so that there's no confusion. Well... Uh, let's see. I believe Lalila and Gay Ahab were roaring as they went to hyperspace yeah, to get to Chalcedon. Straight up riding the back of a luck dragon at the end of the chapter. Just, ah! Yeah, that's yeah! what they were doing. Chase that bully, Alderaan the spaceship. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm a luck. Are you sure you don't want a different wish? You could have whatever you know. No, fuck these kids up. <laughs> okay. Scare kids into a dumpster. You're a messed up kid, Bastion. <laughs> I'm going to dump you over the ocean later. Oh. <laughs> so, anyway, that's where we left Leia. Uh, we also had Luke and Han having a big fight over whether or not Han had sex with some woman he used to know. Yeah, and he it turns out Han denies it but very vaguely so that he can't actually deny it. Yeah, he does the, I, I, I'm offended, which is what you do if you did it. Yeah, you go, how, how dare you accuse me of that? No, that's what you say when you're guilty. Han, yeah. just say, no, I didn't fuck her. I didn't do it. Hey, you want to you you check my dick? <laughs> Yo, sniff my dick. <laughs> you know I ain't shower on this radiation planet. <laughs> you know how much I love the song, Let Me Smell Yo Dick? Yeah, I do. I do know it's how much you lot. love it. Yeah. <laughs> So, so, uh, so that's what he's up to. And uh, meanwhile, I believe Jaina and Jason had uh, just been put back in bed after a day of frolic and romping brought to them by by uh, Gant, the weird the, chef, the Viewbig, yeah, something the Viewbig. I forget her name, but uh, she's just part of the whole the holy triumvirate of different types of creatures that there are in the Star Wars universe, according to Vonda McIntyre. There's species that were in Star Wars. That's got your humans and your Wookiees and your your Twi'leks and whatever. There's endlessly fuckable sex havers. Yep. Which are things like Ferrario and Ghostlings and, I guess, Twi'leks again. And then there's weird piles of goop. Yeah. There's there's just weirdos that do weird things. Because that's the big thing, is any of the creatures that are, like, 
tentacle monsters or big piles of goop or whatever. Spider things that are driving cabs. They have weird personalities and weird things that they want. Yeah, and then if they're at all an attractive to humans type of alien that's being introduced in this book, mostly all they do is just, you know, talk about fucking and try to fuck. They want to fuck. So you've got this kind of interesting dichotomy of species, trichotomy of species, where it's like, what's up with Ithorians? Oh, you know, they're Ithorians. Don't worry about it. What's up with ghostlings? They crave that D. Yeah, that's what's, all they want. What's up with Brebeshems? Oh, they quiver in heaps. <laughs> I mean, same, but still. <laughs> well, yeah, John, you'd be a weird pile Star Wars species. That's, oh, that's, yeah, that's I would your... definitely be a weird pile species. They'd be like, what's up with that? Oh, that's a Johnny, and uh, he just sits around, and if you put a pizza near him, it slowly absorbs it. <laughs> He's an information expert. People come from planets far and wide to ask him questions about old Star Wars books. <laughs> or how to play, like, blackjack. Yeah. I'm like, hey, should I split two tens? No, never do that. You already have 20. That will be 30 credits. Thank you. <laughs> or a pizza. <laughs> Leave your offering on the table. <laughs> Sometimes I devour the pizza. Sometimes I heal it back to its constituent elements, and then I cry. <laughs> How many times has that happened to you, John, in real life? Where I've healed a pizza back into its base element? Yeah, like someone offers you a pizza and you you try and put it in your mouth, but instead you're just holding wheat and a tomato. (laughs) So often. (laughs) A quart of milk. My strange magic powers are not under my control. (laughs) So, anyway, this chapter opens up with uh, Lilila and Gay Ahab. Uh, and they are readying to land on the planet of Chalcedon. Indeed, they are. When when they're getting, they they do a whole thing where they put in a code. Anyway, one of the early things that they have a discussion about here is Lilila's hair color while they're flying along. Well, yeah, because you know she for like the fifth time is going. Oh, Chewbacca, you're so pretty with your black and silver. I'm so jealous of your hair colors I gave you. Oh, I. I gave you all the good colors, and now I've got the bad, boring colors. Could we, like, trade somehow? It's just annoying, because she's just kind of whining about how, how boring she looks. Yeah. I. Why? Why is she doing... Like, I understand. I get it. Your, your hair is just brown now, but your hair was brown before. Who gives a shit? Yeah, you weren't whining about it. Uh, I don't understand why she's suddenly so grumpy about her hair color. I'm all grumped up because all I've got is one green streak in my hair. Anyway, I, as uh, while they're flying in, she's all she starts in with some Leia nonsense about how the planet looks ugly. Yeah. She's all like, ew, it's all volcanic and crappy and no one lives here. Why would people live here? I mean, it's true. Why would you live on a volcanic planet when... You don't no have to. Yeah, well, the thing is, the way this planet is set up, the whole thing is... Uh, mostly, like, it seems like trading, mm-hmm. and, like, people have set up here more as a way station than as, like, oh, there's something here we want. Yeah. Because I understand if you're like, oh, we're on a vol- volcanic planet, but it's because we're mining something or whatever. Yeah. That I get. But when you're like, oh, we found just the shittiest, barely inhabitable planet, oh, and we set up a gas station, you're like, why? I mean, I understand a gas station so that people could actually stop and refuel, but this is like, we didn't do that. We set up like, there's a marketplace. A weird bazaar with shitty fruit. Yeah, it's like, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense, but the planet's got cool descriptions. I actually kind of like Chalcedon as a planet. Like, when we get get down there and start talking about it. What I also like about this conversation, though, is Chewbacca is just ignoring her. She's well, just like, eh, gross, stupid planet. And he's just like, yeah, I'm going to Yeah, this is it. like the millionth time you've you've gone off on something alien being gross and terrible. I I get it, Leia. Yeah. I get it. <laughs> Thank you, Leia. Uh, I'm sorry. Lalila. <laughs> Whatever. Oh, man. You don't know how hard it is to roll your eyes when you're a Wookiee, but it's a weird condition we have. <laughs> hold on. Hold on. I got I to gotta get the hair out of my eyes so you can really tell. I have to go get my Wookiee forest eye rolling stick. <laughs> it's a special stick we use to roll our eyes. Ew. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, Riau pops up into the cockpit to discuss things with them about landing on the planet. But mostly she just goes, hey, uh, you know, I hate to ask because I, I have this whole debt thing in my species, but I'm naked. <laughs> so, uh, is there going to be clothes at some point, or am I walking around this planet in a fucking, like, towel? Is that a thing you wanted me to do, is stride naked around the planet? Like, am I that much of your prisoner or whatever? And Leia's like, oh, well... You know, I only met that one other Ferrario, and he was naked. I just assumed that your species was naked all the time. And she's like, 
That, first of all, that guy's not my friend. Quit calling him my friend. <laughs> Second of all, he was naked because he was in a medical freezing tube. And if you had looked, everyone was. Because that's what you do when you get into a fucking sleep chamber like this. Yeah, you are naked. So, so no, I do not like being naked, and yet I have found myself naked for the past several days because you didn't think to ask. <laughs> you know, I understand that, though, because you're a bounty hunter. Yes, you're you def- are a... Air quotes, bounty hunter. You're definitely not just the worst diplomat in history. <laughs> so anyway, Leia goes digging around in, in her clothes closet and finally comes out with what has to belong, an old uh, outfit of Admiral Holdo's, because it's like a huge, very silky uh, green dress. Well, it's like supposed to be one of those lounging dresses where it's like, oh, it drags on the floor because it's super long, but the reason they get that is Riao is way taller. Yeah, Riao's like eight feet tall, which fine. But I, like I said, I think it might have belonged to, he- to Holdo at one point because Holdo and Leia are like way old friends. Yeah. I mean, granted, Holdo won't exist for another, you know, 20 years after the writing of this book. Yeah. But whatever. No, I assume this is, she has this dress in case Han dies and the police show up so that she can wear that and be like, what? My husband? <laughs> Just so she can do like a femme fatale thing. Yeah. That's the only reason you wear a lounging dress. That is true. But anyway, even Riao is like, no, I'm not wearing that the way it is. So she, like, turns it into pants. Yeah, she's like, I'll take the the sides of this dress, wrap them around my legs into pants. Yeah, there we go. Okay, now I look a little less ridiculous. Thanks. Good. Thank you, my gracious bounty hunter host. Why don't you just give me a pair of long pants and I'll wear them as capris? Good lord, I hate you. <laughs> anyway, they land on the planet. And Lalila has to try to convince gay Ahab to stay on the on the ship. I don't know why. It's like she just doesn't want him around. Yeah, I mean, there's one part where she's like, "Oh yeah, because you need to. You're already in. injured, and uh, I don't, I don't know, whatever. You just stay here. Just stay here. Oh, I'm trying to make friends with this lady. <laughs> <laughs> I need lady time. I, if if she thinks I'm friends with you, then she'll never invite me to her cool cat lady parties. <laughs> Look, she's one of the cool fuckable species, so uh, we need to be friends. You're a dumb pile of hair. So, okay, this is this is great, because basically, uh, she tries to convince Chewbacca to stay on the ship as gay Ahab, and then she's like, wait, why would Lilila want gay Ahab to stay on the ship? That doesn't make sense. She would want her good Wookiee friend to come with, oh, no, I'm confused. Yeah, Vonda McIntyre right here. Uh, tries to do a writing thing where it's like, oh, someone's lost themselves so deeply in the like lie and role that they were playing as uh-huh. another person that the fact that they've started to think outside of that means that like, oh, my two like realities and perceptions have started to clash, and I I'm moment momentarily disoriented because I'm trying to hold two separate people in my mind at once. Yeah, except. There's Leia has been... never done that. The whole time, she's just like, I am Leia, and I am thinking about what Lalila might do. Lalila, the bounty hunter, who was definitely not Princess Leia, and definitely wasn't thinking about hugging her husband, decided to send a message. That That's the way she's been written the entire time. Yeah. So she is the worst actor in your workshop. There's The problem is that she decided to do this Stanislavski bullshit when she should have just been like, I'll just tell her my name is Lalila, whatever. It's what's she going to do? Disbelieve me? Who cares? Yeah. I mean, who even cares? She goes, yeah, I'm Leia. Whatever. Yeah. It doesn't make it. I mean, I, I understand it for the basic purpose of what if this lady was like an imperial plant or something. It was like, you're Princess Leia. I will kill you with my cat claws or whatever. Yeah. Except you have a fucking a droid and a Wookiee and you're armed. So I don't know. But anyway, she she gets super mentally confused by a wave of confusion because who could possibly hold this personality that she doesn't have any respect yeah, for? There's a wave of mutilation. <laughs> yeah, she suddenly is attacked by Pixie songs. <laughs> she, the wave of mutilation passes over her and she's like, oh, no, where is my mind? <laughs> Uh, it's true. <laughs> All right. And then here comes her man. <laughs> well, she can't find her man. She wishes her man would come. <laughs> and then a fourth Pixie song. And then some other Pixie song. Who knows? I know. <laughs> so, um, anyway, Chewbacca agrees to stay on the ship. And then R2-D2, who was not part of this conversation, just follows them. 
Yeah. Just like, I'm going with him. Fuck it. I <laughs> love that because she didn't specifically say R2 stay on the ship, R2's like, well, you didn't say it couldn't. Fuck you. <laughs> Here I come. I'm R2-D2. By the way, my secret persona that I've created for myself is that I'm D2-R2. Whatever. <laughs> is that I'm beep-boop, no one gives a shit. Fuck off. <laughs> Instead of saying beepity-boop, I say boopity-beep. <laughs> <laughs> It doesn't uh, play out much to humans in Ferrario, but to me, it's a big deal. Look, the other astromechs we run into are going to be real confused and not think I'm R2-D2. <laughs> They're going to be like, shouldn't you be light blue? And he'd be like, no, I covered myself with brown color crawlers. <laughs> no. <laughs> mm, yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So anyway, they go walking through this bazaar and like, you know, it's one of those places where you know, random dudes are out there hawking magic lamps and, and, and oh yeah, it is it is ugly. very much like hey, and uh, we got onto this weird alien planet and Agrabah's here. Yeah, oh, please buy my ugly fruit is the kind of thing you'd expect people to say here. Uh, a a random cadre of sexy Twi'lek dancers just dance up to them. <laughs> Boy howdy, they're like, hey, you know what's great? Glitter. Yeah, because they have like wands made out of butterfly wings. And so they these Twi'leks just dance up around Lilila uh, and Riau, and they just start waving butterfly wing wands over them to make sure that all the sexy ladies in this book are also glittery. Yeah, they're like, hey, look, if you're going to get on that pole, you got to glitter up, okay? Let's get some glitter on you. And then they just dance off into the distance, their, their glitter job done. I, I cannot understand what they were supposed to be doing. They weren't selling anything. They weren't like, come with us to our... Our business over here, we're like street performers that are trying to get people to come in here. They're like, oh, we've got a wand, and it flutters weird, translucent glitter nonsense onto you, and uh, we're going to do that, and then leave. It's performance art. They were expecting a tip, but unfortunately, Leia isn't like her brother, who knows performance art when he sees it. <laughs> oh, that hit that quivering heap of Brabishems is doing art. That's an art. Yeah, that, that right there, sir, is an art. Now, that quivering heap of Brebeshems is a toilet. You can see the difference because one of them is signed. <laughs> nice. <laughs> way, to, way to stick it to the modern art. <laughs> so, uh, anyway. <laughs> I, I also find it amusing that we're on some bizarre alien planet and every species is something we've never heard of before, but the dancers are sexy, Twi'leks. Because, well, of course. Because what else is there? It, it, when it comes to dancers in the in the Star Wars universe, it's Twi'leks. Yep, it's Twi'leks and Ascate. I think it's Ascagians. I I don't know what the name of that is. Ascagians are Yarna Dalgargan. That's the, the yeah. The, I have the, no idea what she is. Yeah, she's an Ascagian. Uh, I think I think she's an Ascagian or an Ascagian. Um, maybe she's an Oscamirian, and we have a big old crossover with Guardians of the Galaxy. Maybe she's an Oscar Myron. <laughs> Well, she wishes. <laughs> I, I, oh, they're called Oscagians. Uh, Yarna's the only one you've ever seen. and She's the six boobed dancer who knows a bunch of cool dances. Yeah. Uh, so those are the only dancers in the Star Wars universe, even on weird alien planets. Even then. Yeah. So anyway, Leia hates it here. It it The bre- breathing well, hurts. Obviously, because it's, it's a volcanic planet that has barely an atmosphere so walking around you're like oh if i try and breathe too heavily i'm gonna hurt myself and the first thing they they realize is that the most common resource on chalcedon is uh volcanic glass like like a thick semi-opaque obsidian basically yeah except with rivers of mud running through it and so all the houses and stuff are built out of brick glass yeah they're just Glass houses, and everyone's got these stones that, that they want to throw. Throwing. They want to throw It's them. like they're at a detente. <laughs> but there's the interesting thing that I liked out of that is, not only is that a, a neat detail for everything's sort of built out of glass because it's what you've got, Yeah, but there's no windows. Yeah, because all the glass is too gross. Yeah. And, and Leia's first thought when she sees a glass house is, ew, gross, it's all muddy. I wonder if they can make it clear enough for pretty windows. <laughs> like, like, literally, it's the first thing she, she thinks. Yep. Uh, anyway, they, they go wandering through this market and eventually they come into a nicer area where there's bureaucrats and stuff, which Leia has to remark on. She's like, Hey, how come these are all like a different species than the stuff in the bazaar? Yeah. The bazaar people were a different species than everyone who's up here. And, and Riau, you know, who we don't think of as especially worldly, because as far as we can tell, she's never left Ferrari, uh, the planet of Ferrari until such time as she was kidnapped and forced aboard a slave ship is like, <sighs> look, it's because no one is a native inhabitant of Chalcedon, so obviously poor people are going to be of a different species than rich people because they settled from different planets at different times. 
Look, I, rich people from a rich planet came here, and they are exploiting the poor people from poor planets that came here. Mm-hmm, so, That's how this works. So, you know you know who would probably understand that is a famous diplomat like Princess Leia, but obviously you're not her. You're Lalila the bounty hunter, and I'm going to explain this to you like you were 10. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, I... Fucking everyone in this book. I can't stand it. I just can't. I'm. I am losing my ability to hold on to like small bits of joy in this. Book. I'm having a hard time like telling jokes because I just feel bad about it. I'm just like I'm just like mad at Princess Leia's characterization all the time. Yes. So anyway, they go into some big building, and it turns out the building is full of pools of water, agate stone everywhere, uh, and a bunch of tentacly blobs that are flinging water and hooting through various tentacle trunks that they have a bunch of hooters there's a bunch of they go into a hooters yeah they go into a hooters there's a lot of weird gross people in there and yeah and the wings are crazy overpriced (laughs) service is great though service is all right i've I've never been a hooters fan myself if i'm I'm stepping out of the joke for a second i mean if i'm stepping out of the joke for a second i actually really like hooters because you do get good service because that's the whole point that's all it is is good service but i don't really need especially good service i just need my drink refilled and i'm fine oh yeah so that's that is one of the things is they're very attentive yeah because that's how they get their big tips can i tell you the the, the, one of the major reasons i never go to a hooters though because one of the biggest turnoffs to me is skin colored leggings (laughs) Like, ah! I don't like them. And so every time I'm in there, I'm like, ew. <laughs> oh, <laughs> skin-colored leggings. Oh, ladies trying. Oh, gross. And it's like, I-, I understand it's the uniform and they're doing their job. But since their job is to be titillating, I'm always like, ew, it's not working. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, so yeah, they go into a big pool place and it's all full of like pools of, of clear water, gross pinkish tentacle monsters with lots of tentacles and cilia and, and hooty trumpet mouths coming out of stalks and the blowfish is there <laughs> and they're all spraying water everywhere and getting it on each other and then they hooted each other in protest and it's impossible as john noted it is i i reading this could not tell what the fuck was going on yeah like i thought pretty much what i could gather from this was there were some weird little creatures up in trees that were annoyed when they got splashed with water but the actual tentacles and the hootie things that were blowing the water, I thought were all coming from one creature. Like, it was just, it had tentacles in various area pools. <laughs> That's ludicrous, John. <laughs> I, I think mostly it's, uh, I, I think it's a bunch of different hangers-on and goop monsters of the same species. But, you know, who can possibly be sure? Because uh, we don't get a name on the species, so you can't look them up or anything. No. Uh, one thing Leia notes is that these must be crazy rich, because look at all this water, even here on a volcanic planet. Which left me thinking, is that that hard? I mean, how hard is it if you own a starship that you can use to truck it all, truck stuff all over the galaxy? Which, if you're rich at all, you have a starship, right? Yeah. Then how hard is it to go be, and get, like, you know, five swimming pools worth of Naboo and just bring them back here? Yeah, I mean, you go to one of those planets that's like, oh, we're 90% water. It's ah. where the, like, Moncals are. Yeah. You just go, all right, we took a giant fuck-off thing of water from there, hyperspaced it over here, and dropped it off. Yeah, it just, I mean, given that one thing Star Wars never addresses is the cost of traveling through hyperspace, mostly because it's about, you know, one military versus another, so it's all just budgeted. But you never see Han going like, all right, we have to fly to Bespin now, and I can barely afford to. And I mean, I understand because, you know, how much a gallon of space gas costs is fucking boring and who cares? Yeah. But <laughs> without that information, you end up with this idea that that things like, oh, water should be rare on this planet is dumb. Yeah. Because there's just everyone you know, everyone you've ever read about in these books has their own spaceship. With a big old cargo hold, and wouldn't you know, a bunch of ice blocks would fit in there just fine. Yeah, I flew over to Hoth, got a giant ice block, brought it over to Volcano Planet, and was like, here you go. Who's stopping you from doing that? Hoth's got nothing on it after the the uh, Rebels leave. It's just Wampas and Tauntauns, Tauntauns and Wampas, and they're not going to stop you if you come up there and cut the top ten feet off a mountain and just leave. Yeah. So, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> This this has been a weird thought experiment about economics in Star Wars. Yep. Uh, they they end up at some big pool with more agates on the floor, and, and it's just nice, clear water. And Leia, who was 10 in the previous scene, is now 5. Yeah, because Riau comes in and is immediately like, I'm just going to sort of like sit back on my heels, you know, not quite like kneeling, but basically just sort of crouching here and waiting. And Riau is the, the leader of this particular dance. It was her idea to go to Chalcedon. Leia is following her. 
Yeah. But and, but the problem is that just like with Zaveri, Riao is one of those people who's like, we must go here. Why? I cannot tell you. Oh, well, we're going to see someone. About a thing. Uh, okay, are you going to give me any information on what's going on? Oh, goodness, no. Well, we're on a starship in hyperspace. We have nothing but time, Riao. You could tell me what we're doing. I could not. Oh, no, I couldn't. I mean, I, I would have to explain it to you like five or six times. My, in my estimation, you are quite stupid. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, they, so, but Leia just cannot friggin' sit still. When, when Riao sits down on her haunches and just waits, Leia's like, I want to touch things. Ooh, Ooh, look pretty glass. Ooh, what's this? I oh, want to touch this. I want to touch this, this, this gem I see in the water. And then Riao grabs her by the wrist and is like, no, do not. Do not sit still. Hey, hey, don't touch anything. I don't want you to say anything. I want you to sit here and be quiet. Just sit here and be quiet for Look, five minutes. I will get you a treat in the bazaar if you're a good girl. We will stop at McDonald's on the way back if you just sit still. <laughs> McDonald's, and- McDonald's, McDonald's. <laughs> Leia's just like, no, I don't want to. I want to touch pretty gems. But it's shiny. Anyway, a giant fat tentacle monster comes, because again, like we were saying, there's there's three kinds of things you can be in the Star Wars universe of, of Crystal Star, and these things are gross blobs. Yeah, it's a gross blob of tentacles and eyes. Yeah. By the way, the most that makes the most interesting species in the McIntyre world, uh, the Munto Kodri, which start out as gross monsters and turn into beautiful sex havers. Oh, yeah. They're like, oh, man. We we get everything. They're like the ugly ducklings of Star Wars. Yeah. Like, ew, a horrible dog. Oh, a sexy werewolf doctor. See, whereas I'm like, oh, go back to being a cool dog. Come on, I like horrible dogs. <laughs> give, give me that big weird dog. <laughs> what, you don't want to check out this four-armed sexy werewolf doctor? No, I would rather have a cool big dog. Okay. Look at that dog, it's got six legs. What's going on with that dog? I gotta pet that dog. Dog, come here. <laughs> so, anyhow, uh, this bat, this big floppy gross monster is called the Indexer. Yep. And the indexer sticks out a trunk that starts speaking unaccented basic. <laughs> I absolutely love that it's like, oh, it pulls one of its weird trunk things out that it has been using to, like, spout water. So think sort of like a longer, weirder elephant trunk. I just picture that big planet thing voiced by David Cross in one of the Futurama movies. Have you seen the Futurama movies? There's one called, like, The Beast with a Billion Backs or something. Oh, yeah. That's, the, that's what I picture for this thing. A big pink blob with a variety of tentacles that are either penises or mouths. <laughs> Maybe both. Yeah, the uh, the fact that it's like, okay, here's a tentacle. It can shoot water out of it, and it can talk through it as yeah. well. So it just pops up and is like, hello, I don't know why you speak basic out of a fucking trunk. Yeah, so this big goopy blob pops up and starts talking to them. Now, it turns out that the indexer is... Oh, man, this is such a weird thing for it to be. It has a, a harmonic glass resonator computer. That yeah, it, like its entire house that's made out of glass mm-hmm. resonates. Because, like, when they get into the uh, the building itself, mm-hmm. Riao has to, like, <laughs> move on the, like, touch the glass in a certain way that it, like, harmonically rings yeah. so that it opens. So it's all about, like, harmonics and glass with this guy. Yes, so... Basically, he uses his harmonic resonator glass computer to know everything in the galaxy about the slave trade. Yeah, which is odd. I Okay, it's a very cool, weird sci-fi thing to be like, oh, it's a weird monster, and the way it like stores data and computes things is through glass and like resonance, and it sings... At various octaves and registers and whatnot, Mm -hmm. like some higher than humans can hear. Yeah, and it's singing it all at pillars of glass that vibrate in specific frequencies in response, and it it can check those pillars of glass as if they're like solid state hard drives for information that it's stored there previously. We don't know how it puts the glass up. I like to think it just has a couple extra tentacles that shit glass in specific (laughs) shapes. Well, the, the interesting thing to me is I go, okay, that's cool. Mm -hmm. That's very interesting. It's really neat. But, you're gaining information from outside where you are to inside, which is like someone has to show up with a hard drive of what slave trade information has shown up, and then you have to take that information from the hard drive and turn it into glass, which means whoever's turning it into glass has to be able to have a computer to look at it to know what information to turn into glass. Why don't you have a computer instead? Well, maybe they just have a computer that shits glass. 
<laughs> like they have a computer that takes information from another computer and outputs it as glass it's towers. Got a, all it is is a machine with a USB slot that you plug in, yeah. and then out the back comes a glass pillar. Yeah, you know, it's like a like a little Roomba, and just every time it gets an email, it just sort of shits a glass tower out the bottom of it, and then just rolls down the side of it and continues about its business. Yeah, I like it. if it's just an email, it's like a little glass marble shows up, and he's like, <laughs> oh, I see. Yeah, I can get a better mortgage. Ah, oh, fucking spam marbles! <laughs> Damn it! What was the last time you turned this Roomba on? <laughs> this message is from 1992. <laughs> uh, Caribbean but, cruise lines. But yeah, apparently he has up to the date uh, information about what slaves have been traded where. And that's his deal. Yeah. So Rial basically asks him for information about any sale of Ferrario slaves ever. And he's like, well, I don't think they're... I, I, I thought you were extinct. I thought you were extinct. And also, I didn't think that you were slave types. I didn't think you wanted slaves. Yeah. Oh, that's the other thing. You don't participate in slavery. And she's like, well, just look. And he's like, well, it will cost money. And, and, <laughs> and slowly, yeah. but surely... This monster is turned into Don Pardo. <laughs> it will cost money. <laughs> yeah. Recent slave trades include Bobby Moynihan. <laughs> yep. I okay, so so uh Rial's just like Leia or Lila will pay you for whatever, so don't worry about it. We just need the information. So, you know, he sort of starts messing with his hologram or his resonance computer. Oh, also when he splashes up and gets and visits them for the first time, he gets R2 all wet who shakes himself like a dog. Yeah, yeah. Good. Anyway, resonates in computer just blah blah blah. He co- pops back up and he's like, "Uh, no Ferrario slave trades have occurred. Musical guest feist." <laughs> uh and, and uh so but this is the weirdest thing, because now Leia, who was five in the previous scene and ten in the scene before that, is three, because she doesn't understand the concept of purchasing information and none being a valid answer. Yeah, because she had to pay ahead of time before the monster thing was going to go through its weird glass computer. Mm-hmm. So she paid the monster, and then it went, do-do-do-do-do-do-do, oh, there we go, nothing. No no Ferrario has been sold. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's good, that's good useful information. Thank that's, you. Thank I was you actually, for telling me that my kid has not been sold into slavery. Yeah, she was actually hoping specifically to hear that. But Leia is incensed. She's like, well, we want our money back. You didn't give us any information at all. All you said was that they weren't sold. I'm like, that that is information. That is absolutely You still inf- have made a choice. That is what, what ha- <laughs> how... Leia, I, okay, let's let, one more time. Let's run down your list of famous careers, Leia. You were uh, you were in the Young Diplomatic Corps on on Alderaan. It's where you met Jaron Holdo, your old friend. Uh, after that, at the age of tender age of fourteen, you became a guerrilla warrior leader who fought shadow battles against the Imperial Upper or, or the Imperial uh, Senate for the next five years of your life as basically a terrorist, which means you've definitely dealt with spies and information brokers before. Then after that, you became a general and then a diplomat. And all of those people would have dealt with spies, information gathering, all of that. And yet you have no idea that there's a chance where you could be like, oh, no Google results? Google has cheated me. <laughs> Damn you, Google! <laughs> what is happening? How is she... and? Like, literally, Riao has to drag her out of the building. Yeah, she's like, oh my god, come with me before you break something. That's, this is your McDonald's going away right now, that's what's <laughs> happening. Leia, you leave this crystal room. One, two. <laughs> <laughs> like, the fact that she can't go, oh, it hasn't been sold into slavery, that's good. That means they still have tigers wherever they are. The only thing I would have been upset about is, why didn't you try and ask about my kids? Yeah, she's just asked about Ferrario, which kind of makes sense, because she's like, Ferrario are an easily tracked object. If, if anyone sold any Ferrario into slavery recently, it's got to be Hethrier and, and Tigris, because I know the location of every single other Ferrario. Yeah. Presumably. I mean, uh, ostensibly, some of them were off-planet when everything happened. You'd think that. That I mean, someone was like... Oh, yeah, I was off on some other planet doing a job. I mean, it's not like there aren't a bunch of Alderanians still shitting around the galaxy because not everyone was all in Alderaan. Yeah. But, but you know, in this case, apparently all the Ferrario were at home. Yep. Maybe it was a big holiday or something. Oh, yeah, it was a big holiday. Hethrier was like, I'm going to get everybody on Christmas. <laughs> so, anyway, they drag her. Uh, before they can drag Leia outside, the, the indexer has a question for Riau. He's like, hey, I will make an information trade with you. Uh, if you can just confirm or disconfirm. And she's like, what up? And he says, <laughs> what up? What up? <laughs> and he says, 
they say that the folks on Asylum Station think they can compete with Chalcedon. Do you believe this is true? And she's like, uh, no. And then they leave. So that's as far as it goes, except when they get outside, Riao's like, oh my god, Ch- uh, Asylum Station? That's a place where the Empire conducted like evil medical tests on slaves and victims. Yeah, I can't believe that the Republic didn't destroy that thing. Yeah, and then Leia's like, well, it should have come apart with the collapse of the Empire, right? It's fucking stupid if it didn't, says Leia, who has spent, I'd say, the past 15 fucking books fighting the high muckety-muck of the Ninth Imperial Remnant or what the fuck ever. Yeah. That's all the villains she ever fights are just dudes who are like, I used to be an important guy in the Empire, so I started my own Empire with blackjack and lightsabers. (laughs) Yeah, that's all of them. Every villain is just some guy who's like, I was also in the Empire. Yeah, I mean, think about it. You got Jilad Paleon, you got Natasi Dela, you got Admiral Thrawn. All of them are just like a warlord zinge. All of them are just like, who are you? I used to be in the Empire, and I, I kind of like to still be in it because it was pretty great for me. <laughs> that that was a deal that worked out well for me. I just, everything she says is ridiculous. But it turns out that this is enough information for for Riau. She has she has a lead now based on this, you know, no Ferrarios have been sold into slavery thing. Yeah. Uh, so that's the end of them, and we move on to a mercifully brief section on Han. Yeah, it is one page out of this like thirty some odd page chapter where Han is just like, man, can't fuck believe Luke doesn't believe me, stupid, stupid guy, and he's like, thinks I want to fuck Severian. I mean, of co- I mean, of course Obviously I want to. Obviously, I do. I absolutely want to fuck Severian. I'm not, I'm not gonna, but I want to. I mean, there's I nothing mean, wrong with that, though. Yeah, I mean, look at look. I mean, look uh, at me. I got a dick. Look, who doesn't have feelings for Zatanna? I mean, Zaveri. Because <laughs> now that I think about it, that's what this character is. Ah. <laughs> right down to the point where it's a letter substitution. Yeah. It's the same number of letters in the same order as Zatanna. Yeah. It, and she's a fucking stage magician. And she's a stage magician who is like a superhero. It's, oh, man. Yeah. I really hope at some point she speaks backwards. <laughs> we, we can only hope, John. Uh, uh, it's, you know, stupid. What I should probably do is just find her and have her talk to Luke. That makes sense. Yeah, you know, maybe I'll just write Luke an angry note and give it to him in fifth period chem. I love that the entire page is just him going, "Well, I can't go find Zaveri because because she's doing her own thing and she doesn't want me to bother her, and I can't go find Luke because he's all pissed off, and I can't talk to three PO because fucking three PO, fuck though. that guy. Yeah, and uh, I guess it's time to go get drunk and gamble. Then so that's what he does. He just leaves to go get drunk and gamble. End of the Han section. There you go. That's it. Han, we check in for a full page with Han where he is grumpy and he's going to go gamble. That's it. That's it. Good old Han. Guys, I think Han might have a problem. I think Han might have a problem. I mean, he's ended every single chapter we've talked to him with him so far by either crying because he saw a kid killed or gambling. Yeah. He's, he's, got, he's gambling or drinking the whole time. That's all he does. Guys, I think, I think Han's not working his program. Yeah. I mean, granted, that's basically me when I'm in Vegas. <laughs> Just you like, know, gambling, drinking, and crying because I saw a kid get killed. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, I warned you things go wrong at the Penn & Teller stage show sometimes. <laughs> uh, yep. <laughs> That's why MSG is bullshit. Oh, crap, I shot a kid. Oh, oh, God damn it. <laughs> what do you think of that, Teller? <laughs> oh, right, you don't talk. I forgot. <laughs> no, Teller's just like, holy shit, you fucking shot that kid. Oh, my God. Put his hand in front of his mouth. <laughs> All right, so Jason and Jaina. Yay, we're going to end this with, with a us, huge, Jason and Jaina. It's like a whole short story. It's it, This is like the longest single chapter segment we've seen so far is what's up with Jason and Jaina. So Jaina has managed to use her multi-tool to completely claw her way out of the little door that's holding her in her prison room. Yeah, so she can actually push the door open, and that's where we're going to start is she gets out of the room. Yeah, she gets out. There's a proctor there, but he's really distracted or something. So he's she's asleep. asleep. He's asleep. So she goes around him. She opens up the door to Jaina's ro- or Jason's room, and Jason's like, "I've got a new tooth. Look." <laughs> the, I mean, there's there's a couple things right off the bat here. One, where you are keeping all of these kids, there is zero security outside of a sleepy proctor. Mm-hmm. Okay. Two, the doors that they use are just like. They're a just, wood latch? Yeah, they're just latched from the outside. And it's, again, it's something that she was able to bore through with her multi-tool, which means it's just wood. They're in wood doors. You try Their to... rooms are weird future tech, yeah. where a the floor solid floor turns soft, 
But no, we decided to skimp on the doors. We just have wooden doors like this is fucking medieval times. Oh, yeah. It's just like, oh, I got a little wood latch. I flip to one side and that stops it. It's that's, fine. Yeah, I, I flipped my little slat uh, open and kicked open my door and that's how I got a refill on my Pepsi. Yeah, it's fucking stupid as I hope. I hope the green team wins. And then, of course, yes... Like, the fucking first thing that Jason does, he's like, oh, it's so good to see you. Look, Tooth. Well, you know, he's five. It's fine. I'm willing to buy that as a cute thing. It's the one time that the, that the two of them do anything cutely five that isn't just them reaffiliating their, their one character trait each. Yeah, although still, if I've been captured and thrown into a weird prison for like five days, my first reaction to someone is breaking me out is not... Look at my dumb tooth. I don't care if I'm five. Yeah, but you're not five. You don't know. Oh, I know. Five-year-olds are completely self-absorbed. That's all they have. <laughs> so anyway, the two of them are like, well, let's leave, says Jaina. And Jason's like, we should break the rest of these kids out. And she's like, ugh, fine. <laughs> Fucking kids. So in what is definitely the saddest thing that's happened in this book so far, including the death of an Ithorian, uh, they go through and open up all the doors and all the kids are like ready to go. And then she opens up the door to the little bully Vram's room. Yeah, he and is apparently... Still being locked in a room. He has a bed now. He has a bed and a light, but he's still being locked in a room. And when she opens the door and she's like, hey, Vram, we're going to try to escape. His initial reaction is, don't hit me. Yeah. He's scared that he's that she's going to kill him. Yep. And that, and then she's like, whatever. And so she closes the door on him. That's the saddest thing in this book. Because let's talk about this. Because Vram's not just a bully from nowhere. Vram is another child from those prison ships. Yes, Vram has been... Either taken from the uh, one of those like uh, colony ships, or more likely, because that's what they've been doing recently, just kidnapped from some planet. He is completely isolated. Has no. He's he's coping in his own way, which in his way is bullying the other kids. But he's five. He's coping. That's all this is. Well, he's, and it's also he has been shown. Oh, if I just do this, then I'm not going to be as fucked up as I would be. Vram makes no sense as a villain. All you do is feel sorry for him. Well, yeah, and that's what this scene is, is they show up and they're like, look, we're we're going to get out of here. We can save you. And he's like, no, I don't trust you. Please don't hurt me. Oh, my God, you're going to kill me if I try and do anything because he is terrified of everything. Yeah, so they close the door on him and they leave. And at this point, it just turns into a whimsical fun times adventure. They get back out into that box canyon where they all get to go and play. And the big ass dragon is there. Uh, so Jason uses the force to suggest to the dragon that she should come over the fence. Now, this is a question I've been wondering about for a while now here. Uh, at this point, I guess, I mean, we know that Hethrier is off planet. Yes. So he can't use his control of his, his force blanket thing to turn off their force powers, right? Mm -hmm. But they don't know that. Notably, Jaina never tries to use the force for anything other than her weird little molecule trick. Yes. But I guess Jason didn't get the memo because... Up until this point, his attempt to do the molecular level small force thing is controlling like ants. Well, he did the, actually, he does the exact same thing that she does in this scene. Because he doesn't have the multi-tool and the sunlight thing. So instead, he makes that little, like, yeah, he makes molecules of light and does that to be like, all right, dragon, I'm going to make you play with this light. And then you're, I'm going to pet you. And then we're all going to get to ride on you. Yeah, but then, like, he's using force powers to suggest to the dragon that she should let him ride her around. Well, like it never says that. It doesn't say that, but that's that's force powers. He's not just also fucking Dr. Doolittle. Well, I mean, that's that's cheating. I mean, I would say it's the same thing as uh, Jaina's power, which is apparently to take apart mechanical things and put them back together and fix stuff. Yeah, but that's just mechanical aptitude. I mean, this guy but is... But I think that's force level mechanical aptitude, and his is force level... Like, yeah, which force level means he's using a force power. He shouldn't think he'd be able to do it because he'd get the blanket. But I don't think it's an active like, oh, I'm force projecting like a thing. He's subconsciously good at it. Yeah, it's it's just like a I have a weird force aura that lets me do whatever. I don't know if that tracks. I mean, I'm I'm calling the book out on this because the first thing that these two kids always do because they have twin powers is try to use twin powers to communicate with each other, and that gets shut down by Hethry's blanket, and that's a subconscious function of their abilities. No, they actively try to do that. They also passively because they share pain and stuff like that remember when he, when she tries to wake him up and she gets to his headache yeah yeah they, they have subconscious emotion sharing and stuff too so anyway moving forward uh he they he's like hi dragon which the dragon is basically like half cat half hippopotamus at this point it's like a gila monster that's a hippo and a cat and it's like the world's happiest giant it, crocodile it's just the magicest dragon in the land it's it's the most bullshit children's fairy tale creature you've ever heard of it's fucking falcor <laughs> 
Uh, it, so he's just like, hello, Mrs. Dragon. Can I ride on you? Hey, can all these kids ride on you? Oh, boy. Good. Like, and it's one thing to say, yeah, you know, a few kids got on the back of this weird reptile thing. But kids are hanging off of the legs of this dragon. And it's fine with it. And, and it's like, yeah, sure, whatever. Uh, whatever. Which still suggests to me that he's really using some force control here. But anyway, um, you know, alarms start sounding. They hear the little kid proctors getting ready to chase them off in the distance. And so they get on the dragon and they ride. And the dragon goes racing across the desert and going, it goes slip sliding down high dunes. Yeah, and now the thing is, Mistress Dragon doesn't have a name, so... They've been across the desert on a dragon with no name. That is true. <laughs> Damn it. Uh, the thing I like here is that Jaina notes that riding the dragon is better than, and this is a, a quote, any amusement ride. Well, yeah, because at one point it has to like go up the side of a cliff or whatever, so it holds them with its tail to stop them from sliding off of the back, and then like runs down another thing and slides down a slope, and you're like, wee, what a fun time. I just want to talk about how lame the turn amusement ride is. I mean, that's like that's like what you'd see on a Chinese knockoff of a power wheel. Ah. ah, enjoy the good drive with amusement rides. Simply insert the power cylinder and tootle melodiously. I mean, well, that's, that's if I want to get some information out of glass. <laughs> so I'm just that's one of those things you see in these Star Wars books where they can't come up with a with a colloquial name for local things. So everything's just got a well, yeah, excessively you, formal title. Because if they say roller coaster, then it's like, oh, shit, roller coasters exist in Star Wars now. Yeah, but they also can't call it something else because then you would know what they're talking about. So they have to, to bust it down to component elements and have even little five year old kids being like, this is more fun than an amusement style ride. This is more fun than a ride at an amusement-styled park. Yes, perhaps such as Holographic Fun World, a real place in Star Wars canon. (laughs) Uh, It's true. (laughs) Anyway, they ride the dragon to a swamp. Oh, yeah. Well, I've been riding that dragon for a while. (laughs) We've been chasing the dragon. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so then they, they show up at this swamp, which is interesting to me that they're like, oh, yeah, we went from... Straight up a desert with sand dunes to a full-on swamp. Which has got to be confusing to the dragon. The dragon's like, whoa, holy shit, what just happened to me? What? Okay, I'm used. To, I'm a desert dragon. I'm basically a big Gila monster. What is this nonsense? But instead, the dragon's like, yeah, I'm up to speed. Oh, good. It turns immediately into a crocodile and, like, submerges so only its nose and eyes are above water. Yeah. And it's and like, it, wee. And it's waggly ears, which is like, what? What? Is this a hippo? What are we? What is this thing? <laughs> I cannot just, picture this at is all. Is it just a local Totoro? <laughs> ah, no local Totoro went berserk today. <laughs> Killed 26 children. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's the best I can think of, is that this thing might be a Totoro that just lives out in the sand. It's be- like, yay, we'll ride the Totoro. <laughs> we got on this cat bus, and uh, now we're here. <laughs> uh, so they get to the swamp. The dragon immediately shakes all the kids loose and dives into the water, where apparently it's just done. That's where it stays now. Well, I mean, it sort of plays with the kids as well, which means even when Jason's not actively controlling it like for stuff, it is just friendly. Because yeah. it's like, oh, it kind of like dunks kids in the water and then like spouts water at them and is just playing with them. No, this is this is all Hethrier's f- fault for having his little world craft set to fairy tale good times. Oh, yeah. I'm sure there's just a switch or like a little knob somewhere where he's like, oh, I'm going to set this place to dystopic future. <laughs> yeah. Oops, I had it set on fun time for baby kids. <laughs> it's set to fairy tale land. Uh, I mean, I guess if he didn't know anything about this species, there was like, what is this? Oh, it's a big, weird lizard with huge claws. You're like, all right, that's good enough to scare kids. Like, this this planet is so safe for these children that even if they had, like, fallen off a cliff, they'd land in a clump of, of pillow clump trees. Oh, it tastes like cotton candy, except I can't call it cotton candy, because then cotton candy exists in Star Wars. And then fairies popped up from the trees and turned everyone's hair their favorite color. Oh, uh, it tastes like homespun sugar. There we go. <laughs> homespun sugar. <laughs> Oh my god, that's brilliant. There you go. I'm very proud of you right now. (laughs) I'm on board. I'm getting there with the Star Wars stuff. (laughs) You're ready to write your own Star Wars novel. (laughs) By the way, that'll be the third chapter of this this thing, when we write our own expounded universe novel. Yeah, that's going to be the new thing. When we run out of Wikipedia stuff for the bonus content, it'll just be chapters we write. Uh (laughs) We'll never run out. (laughs) Okay, Uh, so... 
anyway, they decide to, they have to hide and run through the swamp, but first they find some berries. Well, yeah, they got to get some berries, and Jane is like, don't eat those berries. Those could be poison berries. Yeah, and then Jason says, no, don't worry about it. I mean, why would anyone put poison berries on a fake planet? Like, I, I don't know. They, why would they put a dragon there? Yeah, they built this planet from scratch, so they obviously... When they are the ones deciding what goes on this planet, wouldn't put poison berries here. It's like, no, this planet was pretty much architected by Palpatine. I feel like he'd definitely do that. Also, this is a planet that got architected such a way that you have a weird, like, desert right next to a full-grown swamp, and there's no, like, border in between. It just goes, like, sand, swamp, done. It's weird how small it all is. Like, even if it was... This feels like the fucking Little Prince planet. Exactly. Like, let's think... How small do you think this planet could possibly be and still function as a planet and yet be visible from space and stuff? Yeah, I don't... I mean, it's it's supposed to be able to be flown around, so I have to assume it's small enough that you could get it into, like, hyperspace, because you're not going at, you know... Standard sublight speeds with this thing. Yeah. Well, okay. Here's the question: Is it bigger or smaller than a star destroyer? Uh, I honestly, I feel like if you took a standard star destroyer and like smushed it into a sphere, so, you'd probably get that. So a star destroyer, a standard impi- or, or a victory or imperial class star destroyer is about a half a mile across. Yeah. Or what long? So we're saying this thing maybe half mile in diameter. That is so tiny. Oh, it's super tiny. It's like someone took. Uh, a little chunk of land and went, all right, here we go. That's it. Here you go. You get your own private planet. It's the size of a local public park. (laughs) Okay. It needs its own sun to power it. That's that's crazy how you... This thing won't be visible from space. It's going to be... A spaceship's going to hit me. I mean, I would say my general idea was I was thinking probably about 10 miles. Okay, so even then, it's smaller than, like, most asteroids that we have names for. Yes. Like, it's it's minuscule. It is like, a tiny, tiny little thing. My first thought was it was roughly the size of, like, the moon. Especially because when you look up these Worldcraft things in Wikipedia, there's three of them, and one of them was eventually disguised as the Death Star, the, the second Death Star, and used to run a fake scam on people. And the Death Star was fucking enormous. It was, like, 100 miles across. Well, I mean, it was regular moon sized yes i feel like this one is teensy tiny tiny like like half at best that like maybe 50 miles even then the moon is still like a good ten thousand miles across Eh. i mean it's not that big actually i forget the exact size of it but it's like an eighth the size of the earth and the earth's like thirty three thousand miles across and so it's somewhere in there some number don't make me do the math maybe four thousand miles this thing is way too if it was four thousand miles across the desert would still be really fucking far from the swamp yeah so it's like the end result is that this thing is a candy toy ball. It's like the size of a Jolly Rancher. Huh. So, whatever. I don't know why we're endlessly dissecting this. They get to a swamp. They have to escape through the swamp, and they have to eat these berries that definitely aren't poisonous, because Palpatine wouldn't put poisonous plants on, or on a planet for fun. Ah, I don't even like that Hethrier well, guy. Fucking put poison sumac there. We'll fuck his shit up. I mean, there's no point where we know that any of the other people are like, oh, yeah, we wander this planet for fun. You might go, oh, I like the way that berry bush looks. Yeah. I'm not going to come out here and eat it. I just think it looks cool. Come on, guys. Let's put some fucking crazy poison berries on the planet. I mean, I got Also, let's put some mushrooms on there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Some Slobus in. Oh, I'm sorry. This is Star Wars. Some some hallucinogen mushroom funguses. Well, uh, this is from Gardak Mushroom Plants. (laughs) A planet known for its mushroom. Hang on. I'm I'm editing the Wikipedia page. A planet known for mushrooms that get you high as balls. One time, Emperor Palpatine was there. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I wasn't, but I'm I'm definitely not editing this thing with any kind of morality. (laughs) I mean, I'm dark side. What do you want? Come on, look at me. I don't even want to give this stupid world thing to Hethrier. The guy's a tool. Ah, oh, God. Look, I'm a ball sack in a robe, and I still think this guy's an idiot. Come on. <laughs> this is all politics. <laughs> I got to play the game if, if if I want to stop him from winning his race to be the county alderman. <laughs> I mean, I made procurator of justice up. That's not a thing. <laughs> I just... I printed it from my printer, gave him a little paper badge. Look at him. He's so happy. I told him he could have distribution rights over bodywood trees. How was I supposed to know that's a thing? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, they they have to escape because the proctors are near. They are, like, 
within shouting distance. So the kids just keep making common sense decisions like, oh, there are thorn bushes. We'll crawl under them. Well, the thing is, Jason has had a bat in his pocket since they've come here. Yeah, so in the three days since they've arrived, Jason has been smuggling a four-winged Munto Kodri bat in his shirt the entire time. Yeah, and when he brings the bat out for the very first time now, he's like, oh, I had this bat. It was with me the whole time. Anyway, go, Bat. Show us where to go. The Bat is always with me. (laughs) (laughs) Here, I'm going to let this Bat loose. It's going to rattle some cages. I must become the Bat. (laughs) Using the Force to, you know, watch what it sees. (laughs) So the the Bat is finding paths for them? Yeah, it's leading them through paths. Uh, So they crawl under some thorn bushes, but the Proctors don't have a bat friend, so they have to run through the thorn bushes, and they get all scratchy, and it hurts. Yeah, they get fucked up by, like, rose bushes, and the kids find an animal trail that go under them. Yes. Then they come to a swampy area, and and, uh, Jaina uses her ability to freeze things by slowing the molecules to freeze enough molecules to create a bridge across the swamp that the kids can crawl over. Yeah, because they had tried to go past it originally, and Jason just like goes waist deep in mud. And it's like, whoop, nope, never mind. Oh, holy shit. <laughs> so then once they're all kids are safely across, that she turns off her force ability, and then the proctors who are all oh, no. covered. She has to wait until the proctors get there. That's right. She does the halfway across thing like she's Wiley Coyote. Uh, so they get there, and then she turns off her force power, uh, and then they all have to wade into sticky, ewy mud, and they've got scratches all over them. Yeah, it's, oh, I'm going to keep this frost bridge up until, like, half of the proctors are, like, midway across, and then turn it off so they all fall in mud. And from what we know, we know at least it's waist level for this kid, but he started sinking lower. Like, they had to pull him out or he would die. Yeah. So who knows how deep this is? She may have just killed these proctors. Jason is five. Waist deep is like 18 inches. Oh, no. I'm like, no idea how deep this is, but I still, it, it, you we, never know. We also don't know how old proctors are. They, they're just kids, too. Yeah, it's just other kids. It's just bullies. This is literally like a scene from a from an 80s t- uh, children's movie. Yeah, there's some 11-year-old chasing a bunch of 5-year-olds. You're like, okay, this is great. This yeah. is what I want to see. This is being chased by Scott Farkas, except that he's wearing the light blue robe of a proctor. <laughs> uh, All right, so anyway, at this point, they manage to get away from the mean old scratchy bullies, and they find a tree. And the tree has a big spiral in it that was cut by wood-boring insects. Which Jaina has to stop and note, it seems like wood-boring insects must have feasted on this tree for a thousand years. It's so smooth. It's like, wait, 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 hold on. The Emperor was only in power for 20 years, and it's only 14 years after he fell out of power. So this planet could, at most, be 34 years old. How did you do this? (laughs) I am sorry, what? Hang on, you can't have thousands of years of tree digging, because (laughs) unless they moved the tree here. Well, that's what I'm thinking, is... This planet is straight up like the fucking Secret Wars planet from Marvel, where it's like, oh, we just took bits of other planets, plopped them down together. How complicated would it be to move an extremely ancient tr- swamp mangrove? That'd be so hard to do without killing it. I, I, whatever, I guess, you know, this must have happened before Shizor stole the Emperor's good gardener. Oh, yeah. Right? He still had that good gardener. He had that good gardener who didn't, at that point, had yet to die in an unfortunate turbo lift accident. How unfortunate. Yeah. So, okay, fine. That's the end of that chapter. The the kids manage to escape up the spiral staircase because they see sunlight in the distance. John, I, we, one of the things we glossed over that I want to talk about here is that Jason and Jaina just will not shut the fuck up, respectively, about how much they love animals and machines. It's true. There is an entire paragraph where Jaina has to basically spell it out for the reader like, boy, I sure am jealous of Jason and his ability to immediately connect and love animals, and they love him, but I'm sure he's jealous of my ability to take apart machines, put them back together, and fix them. Nope, he's not. Droids can do that shit, Jaina. Your power's stupid. (laughs) You're dumb. I have a thing no one else gets to do. He's got the good power. (laughs) So, that's... I mean, honestly, though, as far as Star Wars goes, no, he doesn't. It's way better to be like, oh, I can go into, like the hull of your shitty ship and fix it. Yeah, but everyone can do that. Fucking Chewbacca can do that, and Jaina thinks he's a big dog. (laughs) 
She probably well, thinks Leia the, does. She probably thinks the only reason that Chewbacca can fix things is because J- Jason forces him to with force powers. <laughs> She's like, "Oh, Jason, I'm so jealous of your ability to control that Chewbacca, <laughs> that that big weird dog." <laughs> So, I mean, that's what I think it is, because that's all Leia says. <laughs> that's all she ever calls I learned her. it from watching you, Mom. But yeah, it's like they're just trying to reinforce their two positions in the Burger King Kids Club. Like, every time we check in with Jaina in, in the swamp, she's like, ew, I bet there are worms under the ground here. And while Jason, who likes animals, might enjoy worms, I myself would prefer to be at home with my chemistry set. Yeah, well, I still say, fucking Jaina got the better end of this deal, because she's going to get a job. She's going to get a nice engineering job somewhere, and fucking Jason's going to be off being a fucking zoo man. Yeah, she's going to get a job as a pilot in Rogue Squadron and eventually get married to a TIE fighter pilot named Jagged Fell. <laughs> Meanwhile, Jason's going to become the world's biggest Sith named Darth Cadius and uh, will eventually get killed by Jaina. So yeah, you're right. In the end, she does win this. Yeah, see? Boom. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. And his powers of animal abilities only give him extra powers when he's dealing with the messed up bioorganic enemies, the Yuzhan Vong. Oh no, the Yuzhan Vong. Well, someday, John, we'll read a someday. book about them. Not soon, though. <laughs> no, never soon. I want to get real deep into the regular stuff before we start getting into someone kicking over the EU sandcastle. <laughs> now, uh, also, uh, you think Anakin's whole thing is just that he's powerful? Like, cause yeah, it's like, like, oh, my trick is animals. My trick is machines. I'm just powerful. I'm just X-Man. I'm Nathan Dayspring. <laughs> what, I'm Franklin Richards. Whatever. I'm the, I'm the broken, powerful child version of something. Of course, his ultimate fate is that he dies at 17 in an unremarkable way. Uh, same. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you wish. I'm a ghost now. <laughs> How come you don't stay young and beautiful? Oh, wait, because you weren't. <laughs> I never was. This is how I looked at 17. It's spooky. The only difference is I used to read books about ghosts, and now I am one. And now I write books about ghosts. Yeah, but they're not very good. No, it's not very good. I just write them first-person style. You know, today I was haunting a house, and man, it was garbage. You just blog about being a ghost. <laughs> I tried to scare an old man today, and he told me to get out of his here, his house. And I was like, come on, man. I'm just trying to do my job. <laughs> God damn it. Well, anyway, that's chapter nine. There is chapter nine. Who knows what dark future awaits us. Uh, again, though, one thing we didn't talk about that I also wanted to cover, uh, Asylum Station. Which is very obviously going to be Cersei Station, because I can't imagine the book is like, oh, we're going to send him to a different station. Yeah, there's a there's a third space or a second or third space station deeply involved in the slave trade you need to go to. I would absolutely this book is two thirds over. I would love if this book was like, oh no, we send the two of them on a wild goose chase. Like, you know, the Anakin is going to show up at Cersei Station. And Han and Luke will save him, and they'll defeat Waru and Hethrier. Meanwhile, every chapter that deals with Leia is her running around to a different planet or station that has nothing to do with this. Oh, yeah, like she's off on a Bioware-based Star Wars adventure, so like the rest of them are getting shit done, and she's like, all right, fine, we made it to Asylum Station. Hello, I am Krabla the Bunny Black. You have to get me an apple. The apples only grow on Mantuine. <laughs> oh, yeah, I would, I would love if it's like, Oh, sorry, I got distracted with side quests. I completely forgot about the main plot. <laughs> but hey, I'm way power leveled. <laughs> you guys, you have no idea. I have been doing so many side quests. Look at my materia. Dude, check it out. I bred a black chocobo. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you guys want to fight Emerald Weapon? Oh, no. Oh, you're no. all too low level. We got the story finished. Thank you, though. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Maybe we'll come back to it on the second playthrough. Yeah, so in, in this book, in this chapter, that indexer thing is like, hey, I heard Asylum Station has really good slave trades. Of course, Asylum Station was bolded and in a different color so that you knew it was important. Yeah, it was a hyperlink. You were supposed, yeah. to, you were supposed to tap that part of your, the book with your finger. <laughs> That's how much we knew about the internet in 1994. Yep. <laughs> we thought we could print hyperlinks. That's what we thought. We're like, ooh, it's blue and underlined. You tap it and say the word click. <laughs> Computer. Computer. The Google. Uh, I'm sorry, wait, it's 1994. The Netscape Navigator. <laughs> Ask Jeeves. <laughs> Dogpile.com? <laughs> All right, so, uh, but, but here's the problem. At this point, it's too late in the game to start introducing name-based twists. No one's going to be excited to find out that Asylum Station is surprisingly Cersei Station. Yeah, I'm like, we're getting close to wrapping the book up if you're not headed to the main station that everyone else is going to, then you fucked up. 
Yeah, well, let's go to let's go to Asylum Station. I hear they've got great snow cones. They got great. I'm sorry, we can't call them snow cones. They're uh, they're they're shave frosted treats. It's uh, Hoth flavor ice. <laughs> Hoth fluidated snow beverages. <laughs> That's it. We're done with this chapter. We'll there see you go. for chapter ten. <laughs> Otherwise, folks, if you like what you've been hearing, then you should stick around because on our Patreon we now do bonus content for Expounded Universe, where each of us tells the other a story about something they found on the wild world of Wikipedia. Oh yeah, it's a strange wild world out there. It is it is the untamed West in Wikipedia. Oh, it's a great place to go and read things from. Uh, to get that, all you have to go do is go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash systemmastery, and pledge at the $2 per episode level. Now, don't worry, that's not $2 per episode of Expounded Universe. We make way too many of these for that to be functional. Instead, it's about 4 bucks a month. Yeah, you basically pay about a dollar per episode if you pledge at $2. That is correct. You end up paying about a dollar an episode, and you get four bonus episodes. What a goddamn deal. Jesus, what a steal. You get actually get six, because there's more bonus episodes you unlock for other shows we make, like System Mastery and Movie Mastery, except not Movie Mastery. I'm just mentioning it because it's another show we make. It's just another show we do. We do so much content. I've done like 230 of these commercials at this point, John. How am I still so bad at it? I don't know, man. It's probably because you're bad at everything. That's probably true. That's why <laughs> this is my only job. <laughs> so please, go and support us on Patreon. You guys have all been super generous already and we are so close to the point where we can literally afford to just do this. We're, we are, we're getting there. We're getting to the point where we're like, hey man, we can just do this and then we'll have only content. Just content. All content the time. forever. Yeah. All we'll do is sit in front of a computer with a camera on and go, do you like me yet? Do you like me, daddy? <laughs> so uh, Not kinky enough. So patreon.com slash system mastery. That's where you can find that and support us. And please, please, please do. Otherwise, uh, you can find us at systemmasterypodcast.com or system mastery on Gmail, Facebook, Reddit, Twitter, all the fun quality sites of the day. Yeah, follow us on Twitter. We're so close to 1,000 followers Yeah, on we're there. like 960. How are we not at four digits yet? I don't understand this. How does that work? If you're following us on Twitter, if you aren't following us on Twitter and you don't have a Twitter, make one just to follow us, please. Yeah, just do it. I don't care if you are, your stats are zero followers, one following, and it's us. Yeah. Fine. We just need to get to 1,000. We want to do that. It's not like we're ever going to get verified anyway because we are. T- it's two users on the same account. Yeah. But still, we want that 1,000. We want them four dig. We want the four digits. So go follow us on Twitter and make your friends do the same. I promise we won't just constantly repost boring shit. No, we never do that. We're not obsessed with some dumb TV show and we never stop posting about it. We, are, we aren't going to be like, hey guys, we've got a book. This is my book. Every two days we will talk about my book. Yeah. yeah that's so not us. That's not us. We don't do that. I don't know who would. I don't know who would do that. Not us. Not us. Yeah. It's not, beats me why some guys suck. <laughs> Sure as hell ain't my scene. <laughs> I cannot wait for everyone to be like, who are they talking about? Oh, there's so who many Who do people. they hate? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you're so vain I, as the podcast. I genuinely have no idea who you're talking about with the book. Oh, thing. I don't either. I just want people to assume we hate someone. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, everybody. Uh, until next time, I've been Elan Sleaze Bagano, and I love Death Sticks. Death Sticks.